Tennessee, Texas A&M, who has got the more efficient quarterback and which quarterback needs to have a better game in order to pull off a victory? Joe Milton, Max Johnson, that and a whole lot more. It's your Wednesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. Shout out every day, or as you know the drill. Thank you for coming back and taking part in Locked On Balls on YouTube, where you can subscribe to the channel for free, or by subscribing and following us wherever you get your podcast. Got a lot to get into today. Quarterback matchup, Max Johnson versus Joe Milton. Opportunity for Tennessee and the secondary for the Aggies, for sure. Uh, in segment number two, we'll talk a little recruiting with Matt Ray, VolQuest.com. And then uh, Ward Wednesday, talks by Josh Ward for his weekly stop in segment number three. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase the Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So I thought it'd be important for us to kind of do this quarterback breakdown, all right? And, and we'll start with the, you know, just the, the stats that you and I can find by going and just typing in Max Johnson 2023 stats or Joe Milton 2023 stats. We'll start with Joe Milton, okay? He's Tennessee's quarterback. Uh, you've got 101 of 160. He's completing passes at 63%, which would be a career high for him for terms of uh, number of snaps that he's played. 1,164 yards, nine touchdowns to three interceptions. Of course, he had the pick of Florida and then two picks against South Carolina. He's averaging 232 yards per game. And there's no quarterback rating right here. We'll get into pro football focus here in a moment, but there's no quarterback rating on here. There is one for Max Johnson, I believe. Uh, or there's efficiency rating. Maybe there's one for Joe Milton. Hold on. Uh, quarterback efficiency rating, 139.0. All right, so let's look at Max Johnson then. Max Johnson coming in and plays for Connor Wagman, who started the season, of course, the sophomore. Um, in parts of five games, it really has been the full-time start of the past two and a half games. 51 of 84. For 675 yards, he's completing passes at 60%, so um, I feel like they, they like him to complete a little bit more passes. Um, he's got seven touchdowns, two interceptions. He's averaging 135 yards per game, but he does have a quarterback efficiency rating of 151. Well, what's all this kind of mean for you know Tennessee and A&M in the quarterback battle? I think... A key storyline. It's it's defense versus defense, defensive line versus defensive line. That's kind of been dominating the week, right? It's also been AM's road record since 2021, the lack thereof, a true road win, all that and more. But I think an interesting thing to look at in this game is the down the field passing. All right, let's go to pro football focus. We know Joe Milton and Tennessee's struggles with explosive plays 20 yards or more down the field, uh, you know, via the aerial attack. Uh, Joe Milton in Tennessee, whether it be Milton, whether it be uh, Keaton, whether it be Squirrel, whether it be Thornton, Brew, you know, whoever, um, whether it be your tight ends, you know, it's the whole operation, the passing operation. It's just not been great down the field so far this season. And I think there's some blame to go around. Certainly, you know, Joe Milton has not been, has not excelled in this area. Um, I read this stat off to you a couple weeks ago going into the South Carolina game, and I thought it was kind of mind-blowing. Uh, Tennessee did connect on one of a couple in that game, but uh, here's where you stand now. A pass is 20-plus yards down the field. Joe Milton is 8 of 30 on the season, 
coming in at a whopping 26.7% completions. That's a completion percentage of 26.7. 30, excuse me, 8 of 30. Completed 8, attempted 30. 316 yards, okay? He has three touchdowns, and all three of of his interceptions on the season have come 20-plus yards down the field. Um... Let's look at Mac Johnson, who I think throws the deep ball pretty well. From what limited film and game time that I've watched at Mac Johnson, it feels like to me and to others that he throws the deep ball pretty well. Well, let's look at the numbers, shall we? The numbers look like this. Um, passes 20-plus yards down the field. This year, he's only attempted 14, and that's understandable because, again, he's not been the starting quarterback. But of those 14, he's completed seven for uh, a 50% completion. So he's completed 50% of his passes of 20-plus yards down the field, 7 of 14, for 199 yards, four touchdowns to no interceptions. His pro football focus grade, and remember, um, they their grading sounds a little bit different, and 90 to 99 is considered elite. His pro football focus grade for 20-plus yards down the field is at 96.6, so it's really good. Well, what about those intermediate throws, those 10 to 19 yards? He excels in those as well. He's 7 of 13 for uh, 53.8% in terms of uh, his completion percentage. 109 yards, one touchdown, and his grade per pro football focus is 90.6. Where he struggled, if you want to you know, characterize that as a struggle, would be around the line of scrimmage or, or kind of close. But again, it's not been that bad. Um, he's missed. I mean, he's got way more attempts, though. Uh, he's, got, he's 30 of 37 from 0 yards to 9 yards. For two for 336 yards, a touchdown or two touchdowns and an interception. And then behind the line of scrimmage, he is seven of ten for 31 yards and an interception. So you look at Max Johnson, pretty efficient down the field passing. He's completed half of his passes thrown, only 14 for 20 plus yards down the field with four touchdowns. That ain't bad. You compare that to Joe Milton, 20 plus yards down the field, 30 of excuse me, eight of 30. For 316 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. So there's a clear difference there. I showed you the intermediate throws, kind of the numbers there for Max Johnson. Well, what about Joe Milton? Um, 10 yards to 19 yards. Milton has completed 11 of 27. That is not a very good completion percentage of 40%. That is not great. Three touchdowns, however, no interceptions, 137 yards. You've got to be better in that regard. 11 of 27 is not good enough if you're Joe Milton. Now, as we know... Within 10 yards and at the line or behind the line of scrimmage, Joe Milton's been really good. Uh, Zero to nine yards, Joe Milton's 35 of 44, completing 80% of his passes uh, for 331 yards and a touchdown. Behind the line of scrimmage, 47 of 52 for 90%. And he's thrown two touchdowns that way and 376 yards. So Joe Milton has been really great behind the line of scrimmage within 10 yards. He's been very bad. 10 to 19 yards, and uh, has not been great 20-plus yards down the field. You go from 90% completion behind the line of scrimmage, within 10 yards, 80%, 10 to 20 yards, 40%, and then 20-plus yards down the field, 27%. That has got to get better. Now, I'll say all this to say the secondary for Texas A&M is pretty suspect. Good defense overall. Number one defense in yards allowed in the SEC. Number one in terms of rushing yards allowed in the SEC on average, 84. But the secondary, if there's a weakness, 
<clears throat> excuse me, it is that secondary. Let's look at what Jalen Milrow did against Texas A&M on the road last week. Jalen Milrow, who we all know, does not have the great prowess through the air. Dynamic athlete, great runner, decent at her media, but putting the ball through the air, Jalen Milrow, that's not his strength. Against this Texas A&M defense, where Alabama couldn't run the football, nor could Texas A&M on Alabama, but where Alabama couldn't run the football, Jalen Milrow was 21 of 33 for 321 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and he was really, really good throwing it down the field. So that secondary for Texas A&M is pretty suspect, and I feel like there's going to be opportunities for Tennessee and opportunities for Joe Milton to really, really improve on that 8-30 mark of 20-plus yards down the field. Now, again, Tennessee cannot give up on running the football. Um, it's your M.O. You're always going to run the football, but you kind of got away from it a little bit. You went away from it in the second quarter against Florida. What happened in the second quarter against Florida? Well, you got your brains beat in, and that's why you lost. You went away from it in the second quarter against South Carolina when you ran for 85 yards or whatever in the first quarter against the Gamecocks. Don't abandon the run. But if it turns out to be one-dimensional, Joe Milton has got to excel and passes 20-plus yards down the field and really passes 10 to 19 yards down the field, which is considered intermediate, where he has struggled. Uh, Max Johnson is not winning a Heisman. Max Johnson is not a world beater, but he's done a fine job. He's a former starter in this league. He started games at LSU. He started games at A&M. He's doing exactly what A&M would want him to do if the needed arise for a backup quarterback to come in, and he's doing that. Uh, so, Joe Milton, let's see what you got this week. Let's see if Tennessee can pull off that win against Texas A&M at home. It's pretty much a pick em. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's three points for the home team, and uh, really, really looking forward to seeing kind of what these two teams are. Uh, we'll continue to break this down from every single angle. I'll give you my preview on Friday. we got Boogie Bentley. We'll have a Locked On Crossover Edition as well. All that is coming up as the week comes on. Uh, as the week goes on, we got Matt Ray to join us here and talk a little recruiting in the, the next segment, and then Josh Ward stopping by for Ward Wednesday. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. I want to tell you about Jace Medical, okay? Uh, Jace Medical, the Jace case, provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. That is Jace Medical. Uh, don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and for their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy uh, medication, delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. Uh, so it's really, really good for you. You Essentially, you don't want to be caught unprepared, and you won't be with Jace pack okay so if you do this right now you're gonna get twenty dollars off these life-saving antibiotics today from jace medical by using my code locked on that's at checkout at jacemedical.com twenty dollars off these life-saving antibiotics today from jace medical by using my code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com that's jace j-a-s-e medical.com twenty dollars off promo code locked on Welcome back into your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I am Eric Kane. That guy is Matt Ray. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Ray underscore, a colleague of mine over BulkWest.com, and has his nose down to the recruiting trail, everything going on, Tennessee recruiting. And Matt, when you look at this, I mean, obviously this is the slow period in recruiting um, in terms of the recruiting calendar. I mean, I know there's games, you host visits and all that, but 
I mean, Hayes in the barn, Tennessee's got 2021 20, commits, top 10 class and all that. You're just trying to finish off your class. A um, couple of big fish still out there. Let's go ahead and start with, um, in my opinion, the biggest one, and that's that's Jordan Seaton, offensive yeah. lineman from IMG Academy. Came up for an unofficial visit a couple weeks ago. When does he plan on being back, and where does Tennessee kind of stand in this one, having just jumped in a couple weeks ago? Literally and figuratively, right? I mean, you're talking yeah. six, five, six, five, 315 pounds. But, yeah, a guy that, um, you know, I think Tennessee really put their best forward, foot forward with um, during the South Carolina game, and I think they did enough to get an official visit. You know, right now it seems like you know, the Georgia game is, is where things are headed for his official visit. And we'll see if that happens. It could change. He he told Austin and I that he was, you know, open to being back in December if, if need be. He would like to get a little bit more time around the coaches. So, you know, I think right now it's November 18th for the Georgia game, but we'll see if that timeline changes for him on that official visit. It's really Tennessee, Florida, and Alabama right now, in my opinion. He's just coming off an official visit to Florida. And all indications are that they had a really good, you know, visit for him. To me, he is one of the most intriguing prospects in this entire cycle. While he is as coveted as he has been, his recruitment has been slower. So it feels like Tennessee did get in late. But we, we talked to him in August, and the Vols were working at that time, working at that time, trying to get him to campus. And then shortly after that, he announced a full tour of visits, and those have changed around. Um, but he, he's definitely, in my opinion, the hottest recruit left on the market right now and a lot of schools swinging hard there. But I think Tennessee's done enough and shown Jordan Seaton enough so far to be firmly in the mix right there with Florida and Alabama. Uh, God, Tennessee had up for an official visit a couple of weeks ago. Um, Georgia has interest. Tennessee wants him as a wide receiver. Colorado's got interest. Some others. That's Cam Michael. Um, kind of what's the latest there, Tennessee? You feel really good about two wide receivers you got in your class, but you need one more. You love two more, but you definitely need one more. Yeah, you, you definitely need one more in Tennessee. Would like for that to be Cam Michael coming off an official visit to Texas A and M, and you know by by all accounts another visit that went really well. He enjoyed his time. He told me the atmosphere was loud and electric. It was a good football game for him to watch, and and they made him feel like a priority throughout the weekend. Um, you know. Coming out of this weekend, you know, it felt like – or coming into this weekend, it felt like that was the one that Tennessee needed to survive. Um, you know, I still think the Aggies are very deep in this. I think Tennessee's very deep in this. I think Colorado is quietly deeper in this than maybe I'm giving them credit for. Um, at one point, it seemed like Cam Michael was going to take this into late November, coming out of his official visit to Tennessee. It seemed like that moved up to late October, early November for a decision timeline. Now – seeming a little bit more like late November, yet again, probably close, closer to Thanksgiving. Um, we've been a little skeptical if he would make it to Kentucky for an official visit at the end of this month. I still tend to think that that one probably doesn't happen, but where does he go unofficially? Um, his cousin uh, that plays with him at Statesboro just committed to Colorado. Um, so there's a lot of different factors pulling in this, and not to – you know, this is something you don't always hear about in the in the NIL era anymore. But man, academics are so big in this one for Cam Michael. He's he's really factoring that in too. So I think there's still some questions left to be answered out there for him. So we'll see where this one goes in the next you know two weeks, I think, and we'll see where he shows up at on campus. Want to ask about a specific class of 25 quarterback here in a moment, but kind of on that 
NIL era, which is what we're in, and it's it's not going anywhere. Man, you had Mark Stoops the other night on his coach's radio show after getting just pummeled by Georgia. Pretty much just say, hey, fans, you're upset. I get it. Give me more money because that's the era we live in. As a guy who covers recruiting, kind of what would you make of those comments? Um, I thought it was interesting. There's a time and a place for everything. Probably not the best time for those comments. But, you know, what he's saying right there, it's the era we're living in. Um, there's a lot more that went into Georgia beating Kentucky than just that. Trust me. And it's yeah. not like Kentucky's never paid for a player. Uh, but what'd you make of those comments there? Make, makes you wonder. I mean, really, you, you have to think that uh, a team that's lived out of the transfer portal at the quarterback position in the NIL era, um, you know, if you have a quarterback that completes a couple passes there <laughs> in the yeah. first, you know, in the, in the first quarter, that game maybe looks a little bit different, misses a walk-in touchdown and misses one that just absolutely kills another drive. But, yeah, I think time and place, um, you know, it, it definitely didn't feel like the right time or place. But for Mark Stoops, I think he felt like it was the right time and place. And, you know, if, if you're pointing at it at somebody, why not point to the two-time defending national champions, right? I mean, you know, if, if you do it and you point somewhere else, it, it probably doesn't make as much sense. But, yeah, it, it definitely is the era that we're living in. And it's not going away. Um, in fact, it's probably only going to amplify. Um, you know, so to me, you know, I, I think there is some merit to to his comments. It's just, again, time and place. Yeah, time and place. All right, last thing out the door. I encourage you to go check out Trail Tidbits. It's a VolQuest.com recruiting podcast every Wednesday afternoon. Uh, it's it's us too, but it's really just me, you know, lobbing it up here to Matt. Matt's hitting it out of the park. Great stuff from Matt Ray, about 20-minute show every single Wednesday. Uh You've got um, George McIntyre, a class of 2025 from the mid-state. He's got strong connections to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt did not make his top 10, but Tennessee and amongst a, a, a lot of other um, SEC programs uh, did. Uh, this seems like Tennessee's guy in this class, and Tennessee's been there every step of the way. feels like it's Tennessee, Alabama, unless you hear differently. Um, kind of how close is he to making a call, and um, you know how's, how's Tennessee trying to close this one out? It, it's Tennessee, Alabama right now, in my opinion, for George McIntyre. I think you have LSU hanging around. I think there's some intrigue there with him and LSU. I think the other schools on his list are definitely giving him a lot of attention. Um, you know, but I think so far, if you look at the visits, if you look at the relationships, he has a strong relationship in Knoxville with Josh Heupel and Joey Halsley, and they prioritized him. He loves, you know, Tommy Reese at Alabama. He likes what's going on around Nick Saban's program. Yeah, to me, I think right now it's between those schools and he's taking a handful of visits to each. Back in Knoxville this weekend um, to see the Vols take on Texas A&M, he'll be around a group of in-state guys um, and Ethan Utley and Cam Sparks and some others that'll be here. But, you know, I think being around those guys, it's good for Tennessee, you know, to continue prioritizing the in-state borders. That's something that George has talked a lot about. Like, under this staff, Tennessee has done a really good job of getting the guys that they want inside of those state borders. And I think he's taken, you know, a notice of that. And, and you know, it's something that I think he likes. Um, but ultimately, I think for George McIntyre, we're still looking towards the end of the season for a decision timeline, um, probably, you know, closer January, February. When he dropped his top schools on, on our message, you know, our message board kind of went crazy. You know, and we're down to a top 10, like how close can he be to a decision? But ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I told someone on there, Nico was at 12 at Christmas time and yeah. was committed by the end of March. Um, it, it, it's not well, – there, there, there's, 
Matt, there's a process, right? I mean, you drop a top 10, you go to your top four, you do official visits, you you give everybody a chance. I mean, it's, again, it's the era we live in, but there's a process and this is kind of that first domino, if you will. Yeah, it is. To me, it just shows that Georgia's working toward a decision, if anything, Um, you know, and and realistically inside of that top 10, there's already a top four, right? You know, it's not out there publicly, but it's already there. And he knows that. Um, you know, so I think I think you can expect George McIntyre to make a, a decision sometime in the winter. You know, we'll see where things go. But I, I think he'll see Tennessee again a couple of times this fall and, and probably make another round or two to some other schools. And then he's a big-time basketball player as well. He has some early basketball interest. Obviously, he's going to play football. But, you know, when basketball season gets here, how, how tired of the recruiting process does he get? Does he take a junior day visit somewhere or to a couple of places and say in January and then say in February, hey, this is over? I don't know. We'll see. But I think the process will, you know, come to a close, you know, in the winter for him. Quarterbacks tend to jump in the boat earlier anyways. Yeah, especially with Tennessee. Josh Hopple, they do a good job of uh, you know, finding the guy that they want, go get it, get it done, and then build around. So we'll see if that is uh, George McIntyre for the class of 2025. Tennessee, A&M, a big recruiting weekend coming up. Of course, another recruiting weekend, a big-time one will be Georgia later in the season. Uh, for all your recruiting updates, VolQuest.com. Follow Matt Ray as well. Matt, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Great stuff there from Matt Ray. We got Ward Wednesday coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. We'll see about our friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. All you need to do at PricePicks.com is select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. It's super simple. I think a lot of beginners, not really sure, but want to dip your toes in the water or whatever. This is the way to go at PricePix.com because they're going to give you a stat. They're going to give you a player and a stat. They're going to give you essentially a total. And all you have to do is say, will that person go over that total or under, which is more or less. Any sports you can possibly think of, football, college basketball, NFL, crickets. I, I kid you not. You go to you go to pricepicks.com or download that app. You'll have tons of sports to choose from. It is so easy and it's so much fun to do as well. Plus with the price picks reboot policy, your entries stay in in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, the player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance. That's not bad, is it? That, that is not bad at all. So what I encourage you to do is go to pricepicks.com slash college. Use that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. If I put in $100, if I have that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they're going to match me $100, 50 to 50. It's up to $100. Again, awesome, awesome stuff. It's at pricepicks.com slash locked on college, promo code locked on college for an instant deposit match up to $100. Go and win 25 times your money back at Price Picks this college football season. We conclude this Wednesday show as we always do. Ward Wednesday, Josh Ward, co host of 99.1, the Sports Animal, Josh and Swain with VFL Josh. Uh, VFL Jason Swain, you are not a VFL Josh, but you are an all-around good guy. And uh, how's this week going? Tennessee football back in action. Yeah, nice little break this past weekend. There was a lot of football. Tennessee fans were able to scout Tennessee's next two opponents the next two weeks, and now it's back to action. So big week, big anticipation for this home game. You know, it's funny. Like I crack myself up because I'll say stuff, and then I'll like I'll say the same thing the next week, and it's just like, well. And then I thought about it yesterday. When you have an early season loss, life in the SEC literally 
for weeks on ends, like th- these are must win games. So like I called South Carolina game last week, a must win game or two weeks ago. And I think it was for Tennessee to obviously reach its goal of an SEC championship um, to win nine, 10 games. Again, I think when you look at the month of October, this A&M game at home, you got to get because of life. It's not been too kind on the road for Tennessee of late. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I opened this week saying this feels like the most important game Tennessee will have played since a little less than two weeks ago when Tennessee played South Carolina. And it is that. And it's also a reminder that one result can change the feeling so quickly. The loss to Florida really hurt and created a panic for a lot of people. A win against South Carolina, which was expected, by the way, changed the way people felt about the way the rest of the season will go. And this Saturday will have a similar impact in terms of what your goals are. And of course, what your expectations are affect how you feel about each game. If you expect Tennessee to win nine or maybe 10 games, well, then these games mean so much more. If you're talking about a team like South Carolina or Florida, where it's okay, can this team get to six or seven wins? Well, then the losses don't affect your overall view so much. So for Tennessee fans, this week, a home game against Texas A&M, you're right. The Vols will have had two weeks to get ready for it at Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee hasn't lost since Georgia in 2021, while Texas A&M has struggled on the road. If Tennessee loses this week, well, the reaction will be, oh, no. Well, now we have to go on the road. Yeah. And I get that. If Tennessee wins, it's like, okay, well, let's see if we can continue this on the road. But it has to be about Texas A&M, because if Tennessee's going to try to be a nine-win team or better this season, it seems like Tennessee has to win this one to make that happen. Uh, you know, it, it sounds great to say it like that, Josh. Like, oh, you get this win at home. It's like, okay, well, let's just see what happens on the road. There's not going to be any drunk emotional tweeting or direct messaging or any any outrageous uh, conversation happening if Tennessee were to lose on the road, right? Well, that's why I mentioned the South Carolina reaction because, like, the, the South Carolina game, Tennessee was a big favorite. And I know that the line felt a little confusing for a lot of people going in, but Tennessee was a big favorite. And even with the frustration of the Florida loss, the reaction was, okay, we got to beat South Carolina at home. That should happen, but I'm worried about these other games. And then Tennessee beat South Carolina. And for a lot of people, not everybody, but for a lot of people, it really did change the outlook for the rest of the season, even though the result was the expectation. It's the beauty of this sport. We talked about the emotion. Sometimes the emotion spills over and it goes over over the top in a negative fashion, and that's no good, and it must be addressed. But the reason that we can talk about this for 12 months out of the year, when Eric, I, I make this point all the time, and if you've heard me say it a bunch, then you're tired of it, but it's really like a seven-game season, depending on which team we're talking about. But for Tennessee, we're talking about Tennessee here. It's like a seven-game season. The four non-conference games results are known ahead of time, and let's be realistic about Vanderbilt. The result of that game should be known ahead of time. Yeah. So what does Tennessee do in seven games? And we spend 12 months out of the year talking about that. So it only makes sense that there is a great emotional reaction after the result of any of those seven games. It's annoying at times, but I love it. Um, wouldn't have it any other way because it, it allows me to do and you to do what uh, we love to do. So we appreciate that. It's beauty that. in the chaos. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned that losing skid for A&M on the road. I, and it was something I didn't really track. Or I mean, I knew that they had struggled on the road, but I didn't know, hadn't had a true road win since the 2021 season. And I make maybe a mountain out of a mohill about Tennessee struggles on the road of late. But if you remember, 
you have to go all the way back to 2022 for the last big road win for Tennessee, but it just feels like a while because there's been mm-hmm. some big losses. Um, but A&M struggles on the road. It, it is, I mean, it, is that something to kind of lean into going into this game? You know, Neyland Stadium is going to be wild, 330, checker Neyland, and, and with those road struggles already, uh, kind of plays in the hand of Tennessee, right? It should. Texas A&M's offensive line had a difficult time protecting, and Alabama has a ton of talent on defense, but Tennessee up front has some dudes as well, and they can be disruptive, and James Pierce has been a breakout player for Tennessee to this point. Tyler Barron has been an improved player for Tennessee. They're just they're, they're good up front, I think. Tennessee has been effective in creating tackles for loss and getting to the quarterback. Now, A&M's talent on the offensive line I do think is better than what the Vols have faced to this point. This is easily the toughest test Tennessee will have faced from a personnel standpoint across the board. Texas A&M's roster, much better than Florida and South Carolina. But your question is about Tennessee at home, and the crowd will be into it on Saturday. It's going to be a great environment. And when when you have the ability to disrupt on defense against an offense that has, has just not been explosive, and it is better this year than a year ago, but it's not an offense that Tennessee should be afraid to face. Max Johnson is not a quarterback that creates fear like a Bryce Young. I know Bryce is a Heisman winner, so that's a, a big jump, but I think there are other quarterbacks on the schedule. Like going to It's on the road, but Jalen Milrow will create more fear because of the different aspects of his game. He had a big passing game this past Saturday and obviously has running ability that he's shown in the past, so you know, Carson Beck, I think, creates a lot more fear. Tennessee should be able to get after Texas A&M, and if that happens, the Vols should be able to hit some explosive plays in the offense. Of course, Eric, that's been a question. When is that going to happen more consistently? So there are things Tennessee has to do to win this game. This isn't a show up and, hey, they're at home, so they win the game. But if Tennessee takes advantage of the opportunities that will be there, the home field advantage should show for the Vols. Man, I'm so intrigued to see about this approach offensively. Like, no matter what, Tennessee's going to try to run the football. I mean, that's that's an MO of this offense. That's what they're going to try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, worst to first in the SEC through six games. Texas A&M allowed 208 yards rushing on the ground last year, which was horrible, to only 84 on the ground through six games on average. So that that's a really good mark. How does Tennessee run the football? But then you mentioned it. Man, I, I'm not trying to be rude here, but if Jalen Milrow can throw 321 yards through the air, boy. You know, Joe Milton's had his struggles down the field. I recognize that, but Joe Milton is 10 times the the passer that Jalen Milrow is. There's going to be opportunity there. Can Tennessee cash in on it? And, and I'm, I'm so intrigued to see kind of what that balance is. I don't want Tennessee to go away from the run if there's some struggles there because you don't need to. I mean, you stay with the run. It's, it's going to pop sooner or later. But also, I do feel like there's going to be opportunities there for Milton for these receivers down the field against the secondary, a defense that's good, a secondary that's very suspect. Yeah, up front, A&M can create pressure too. Yeah. Uh, it's the s- similar conversation to Tennessee. It's kind of a, a weird matchup, and Texas A&M statistically is weird. That's why they are in the position they are, where we know about the talent, and they've done some good things, but they have the frustrating loss at Miami, giving up 48 points, and then what you just mentioned about Milrow, what he was able to do this past Saturday. Like If I knew Alabama's rush stats – Going in, oh yeah, I would not have picked Alabama. I wouldn't have considered it. But we now have the result. That's why uh, partial box scores don't tell us the story either, which I think people know. Uh, yeah, Mil- Milton has the ability. I think we said it in some ways against South Carolina. Well, if, if he can't have a big game here, then it's not going to happen 
And I, I don't know that he had a huge game. He had two picks. I know he did have the big play to Squirrel White. Squirrel is somebody to watch, obviously, on Saturday. Having to replace Brew is a big part of the conversation with what they do at wide receiver. Ramel Keaton is a player to me that needs to step up and win some matchups this week and make some plays for Tennessee. Let's see in the run game because my general thought with Tennessee's offense is the Vols need to run the football to really be successful offensively. But A&M on defense has shown we can stop the run and still allow you to score points. They're, they're the best in the league to this point in creating pressure, creating tackles for loss, getting after the quarterback while still getting lit up through the air by Tyler Van Dyke and Jalen Milrow. So <laughs> it doesn't match up. You, you shouldn't be as good as you are if you're Texas A&M at getting to the quarterback but still allowing the quarterback to have that kind of success. So, you know, let's see. Uh, I, I know that Tennessee is going to try to run the football. You know, we might see more quick passes, short passes. Can Dylan Sampson be a factor there? There's been the D. Williams question, but let's not get overboard on what the expectation is there. We're still talking about Jalen Ride and, and uh, Dylan Sampson, to me, being pass-catching options out of the backfield. Jacob Warren, McAllen Castles are two players that have to step up. It's an everybody-step-up kind of situation. And then the guy that might have the biggest opportunity – would be squirrel white after we saw him go nine for nine against South Carolina in terms of targets and catches. Hey, you mentioned a name there a moment ago about a guy that, you know, we'll see if he can step up and uh, now would be a perfect time for him to step up because he hasn't really, I know he scored a couple touchdowns, but it hasn't really been a huge factor to this point. That's Ramel Keaton. Um, you know, he was a huge deep threat for Tennessee last year for, for hooker for, for Milton, um, you know, came up big in a couple of games. So, uh, now would be a good time for for your uh, super senior. I think this is his fifth year uh, yeah. to, to, to come in and play well. Uh, Josh, anything on that? And, of course, what you got coming up at Josh and Swain the rest of the week and the Josh and Swain newsletter every Friday morning at 845. Yeah, totally agree on Keaton. I thought he would have a big year, and he still has a chance to do that the rest of the way. Part of the reason I thought that it was, well, I thought he had a pretty big year last year. He made yeah. big catches, for sure, like the catch against Florida and the catch that set up Bruce catch on the final drive against Alabama, massive plays for the oh, season yeah. with the way they went. So, yeah, Ramel's a, a senior that I would point to to say, step up, injury questions, we'll find out this weekend. <laughs> uh, other than that, I, I don't have anything to, to offer you there. Other than conversation continues on Josh and Swain. Appreciate the pub for the newsletter. It's free every Friday. goes out at about 8.45 in the morning. Takes you three or four minutes to read. And uh, just try to summarize what we've been talking about on the show and you can find that at joshandswain.com and appreciate your link into it. Yep, uh, you can check out that uh, link. It's in the show description on here on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Josh Ward, Josh underscore Ward. You can listen to him every weekday, 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to 3 on Josh and Swain. Josh, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Eric. All right, and that is going to do it here for this edition of Locked on Balls, your Wednesday edition. Big thanks to Josh Ward for stopping by for Ward Wednesday. Uh, Matt Ray talking a little recruiting, and you guys for being here each and every single day. We'll get into some crossover editions of the show with Locked on Aggies. We'll get Boogie Bentley as the week goes on. All that setting the scene for Tennessee and Texas A&M is going to be a good one inside Neyland Stadium, 3.30, checkered Neyland Saturday. And we'll have all the preview and the, uh, the, the wrap-up, the coverage right here on Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys, and we'll see you again tomorrow.